everyone. Thank you so much for joining. This is uh, the second edition of this podcast that I started, uh, Law 18. Yesterday, we talked about uh, just the general groups, and uh, I had a special guest. Uh, today, I also have a special guest, and my goodness, not only is this man a friend, but what else can I say about this guy? He's a member of the uh, FA Writers Association. Uh, he's a journalist. Uh, he has a book that's coming out. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to talk about that today. Uh, but he's a avid, avid Manchester United fan. I'd like to welcome uh, Tom McDermott to the to the podcast. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Adam. How can I um? How can I possibly live up to that introduction? The only way <laughs> the the only way is down. The only way is down. No, no, it's, uh, it's good to good to speak to you, mate. Good to meet you. You alright? Uh, yeah, I'm very well, man. I appreciate you taking the time today. It's uh, it's an honor for me as well, honestly. Really no, is. no, no, be silly, mate. And uh, also, um, believe you are heading to the World Cup as well. Oh, yeah. In a couple of days, I can't wait. It's actually not hitting me yet, but uh, I figure that as soon as I check in uh, to my flight, that's when the emotions are going to start playing in. <laughs> yeah, well, for any uh, new listeners, Adam has been called up in replacement of Mo Salah, who sadly can't make the... No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, if only I could. If anybody could see me a few weeks ago, they'd, uh, they'd worry about the Egyptian national team. So just before we go on then, why, uh, why Law 18? Well, because there are 17 laws in, in football. The, uh-huh. the, the laws of the game are 17. I figured I'd be the, the rebel and be law 18. Good, good. No, I like it. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. So um, since we have you here, and unfortunately we're not going to have enough time to talk about um, your book coming up, which gives us an opportunity to do another podcast about that. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk about, let's take advantage. I'm going to take advantage and talk about a few things. I want to talk to you about uh, group, uh, group H. Uh, mm-hmm. No, Group G uh, is the England group, correct? That's uh, the one, and then, yes. and then get your opinion on uh, my Egyptian group, and then let's talk about transfers because there have been a few things that flew around today, including a new manager that got named. So we'll talk yes. about that. We'll talk about that as well. But let's start with Group H. I really uh-huh. want your brain dump. Take me from the moment that you saw the draw to where do you think your chances are now, and what you think may be the stumbling blocks. Um, for me personally, when I see these draws, um, they take place sort of just before Christmas, I think. Um, I always take the teams, and then when it gets to sort of end of the football league season, then I start delving into how good the opposition might be. Obviously, some of the team like Belgium, especially in the Premier League, we know how good their their players are: Hazard, Lukaku, etc. We we know all about their players, but in terms of some of the some of the other teams in the other groups. Um, I know you guys have got Uruguay, Saudi Arabia, and Russia, I believe, uh, in Egypt's group. We know, you know we've got Panama and Tunisia. So, really, I judge it at the end of the football season because, first of all, you see um, situations where players pick up injuries. Sadly, um, or, or, or fortunately, it looks like Salah will make it for Egypt. But you know, players for all nations pick up little knocks. Normally, in England, it's Beckham's metatarsal or Rooney's metatarsal or something like that. So, touch wood, we seem to be going in with a reasonable um, bill of health. So, to give out a question, when the draws are made, don't give it much thought other than judging face value, the quality of the team, because um, I think it's quite difficult. But then, it, sort of from when the Premier League season ends up, now keep a closer, closer eye on it. It's difficult in England because we're kind of used to... 
I wouldn't say failure, but disappointment. We have this fantastic Premier League. We're very blessed in the sense that we have fantastic players from different cultures, different nationalities and managers from around the world. We see a fantastic level of football. It might not be the best league, but it's certainly the most entertaining. And then when we get to international football, it, it kind of leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth, really, because you want to kind of... I don't think anybody expects England to win a, an international tournament, but at the very least, we'd like to compete at the latter stages of a, of a tournament. Certainly, we don't expect to go out to Iceland like we did at the, at the last Euro. So, on this tournament, I think with Belgium being the third game in the group and playing Tunisia and Panama first, I think that England will pick up sufficient points or I'm hoping England will pick up sufficient points in those two games and finish second in the group, which will then put them into the last 16, which I believe or hope they will progress through before a, a quarterfinal defeat to either Germany or Brazil, I think. But again, it's the World Cup. Anything can happen. There'll be a surprise team in there. You know, I think Costa Rica, was it in, in the last World Cup? They right. they got the better of England, perhaps, and, and they qualified. So... It's impossible to predict, however, how Gareth Southgate is trying to play, how um, he's allowing the players to express themselves in that final third. If they can go in with that mentality, play without a bit of stage fright, then I do expect them to, to progress in second place in their group. So in my experience with England um, is that they'll show up to the bigger games. Uh, they'll have the game of our life against uh, Brazil, for example, um, and barely just get edge, edged out. But yeah. they usually tend to play down to the competition. With that said, and we know that Belgium is the third game, do you really have any concerns as an England fan for the first two? I do a little bit, yeah, because you saw with Iceland in the last tournament, the Euros, we, you know, they beat us. I think England's trouble is when they play against teams who probably on paper aren't as good as them. So these teams sit back and they defend, and England sort of pass quite laboured from side to side, backwards, side to side, relying on a crossing. But I think what Southgate's trying to do is trying to get them to to increase the tempo in the final third quicker, one, two-touch passes in and around the 18-yard box to to draw the, the defenders out a bit more. So, Or, or indeed, try try different things like we saw with Marcus Rashford in, in, in the last friendly uh, last week. So I think that a different style, allowing players to sort of interchange in that final third, allowing them to, to up the tempo, like I said, allow them to be creative rather than getting it wide and crossing it in and hoping that Harry Kane knocks one in. Um, which you know so these guys will be well set up for. So, first thing is yes, we, we we're used to playing against teams who who defend deep. The, the, the you know the the slightly weaker nations, but secondly, we don't normally have an answer to it. And and I'm hoping that sort of you know the new DNA the FA are trying to introduce from youth team upwards. I'm hoping that you can see a bit of that in the tournament. Certainly against. Panama and Tunisia, the, the the Belgium game. I don't think any England fan would be be silly enough to say, yeah, we're we're favourites for this. They've got a a great team. It'd be very much like a Premier League game, really, because you know there's a lot of players there from the Premier League. But um, certainly in the two games, I'm expecting England to have a bit about them. Um, certainly in the in the creative third, anyway. But but again, it's it's the World Cup, and you see, you know, I was looking at the old videos um, just a couple of days ago. Cameroon in 1990 beat Argentina in the opening game. Senegal, we saw, I think it was in, in the 2002 World Cup. These accidents, these freak results, in, similar to the FA Cup in England, you never can tell. You can never be, be sure. But I'm hopeful that England have got enough in the bank before they play Belgium in that final game. You mentioned something about the DNA. And um, 
And again, I'm, I, it, every time you talk about history and DNA and moving forward, I kind of itch to talk about your book, but I'm really holding it back. <laughs> no. um, the DNA uh, of, of the team now is full of youth. And uh, as a Spurs fan, uh, I'm very, very happy that there are a lot of Spurs players on that team. And it just shows you that the core of England is good, maybe. Uh, with that said, is that the tournament of no expectations, knowing that these kids are going to grow up and really the next one is when the expectations start setting in? I think, um, yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think there's, I think a lot of people um, in England, England supporters have been, I guess, disgruntled is the word over the years with just how England have performed at senior senior level. What you're seeing now is the we've got youth world champions, we've got uh, youth European champions, we've got Toulon champions. So I think... The current crop, yes, there's a good core. You mentioned some of the Spurs boys, Harry Kane, Deli Ali, Eric Dyer, <clears throat> excuse me, so on and so forth. These guys um, are still going to be there in the next World Cup and the next Euros. And they'll be very much the experienced heads then so that the younger lads can come through and, and, and add, I guess, the stardust to what's what's already there. So I think to a certain extent, nobody's expecting, very few people are expecting England to, to have a good tournament. I think if England got to the quarterfinals, I think that would be a pleasant surprise for many. But I think if you actually break it down and map it out, and this might be me just being a bit silly because uh, you know I am an England supporter, but if you actually break it down and map it out, if England can get off to, to with a win against Tunisia, then there's a fair chance they will finish at least second in the group. And then I think in the last 16, they they play somebody from I think it's Japan or uh, Senegal. That that group I could be wrong, but I or think Columbia, it's somebody. Yeah, yeah so somebody that's that, now yeah. there aren't any easy games, but. If you look at some of the other teams they could face in the last 16, I'm, I'm sure that Gareth say Southgate would bite your hand off for that. So a second-place right. finish behind Belgium isn't asking too much. Then potentially playing somebody like that in the last 16 before facing um, one, of, one of the really big boys in the quarter. A Germany or a Brazil yeah, or something. I think like so, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's about as optimistic as you can get, really. But to, to go back to your question, yeah, I think that there is, with that in mind, I think that I've looked into a, a certain degree... Um, level of um, depth but I think that in general in the country nobody's expecting a great deal but but also what I might add there is the way Gareth Southgate's looked after the media and other people since um, England have qualified in terms of having open media days last week and things like that he, he's he's trying to create a different feel around the team where people you know they're winning back friends and they're you know they're certainly going into it with a bit of freedom which is which is nice to see and not the shackles of expectation so, if you were in his seat, who's your starting eleven? Oof. Oof. Um, well, I think Pickford. Pickford will play in goal, won't he? Yeah, I think. Pickford, I think so. I think Pickford. He's been given the number one one shirt. And an interesting is thing that he, he's done recently. I think probably since the the Dutch game, he's played Kyle Walker, who's a man you'll know well, being a Spurs fan. Um, as the third right-sided centre-back with two others next to him. And it'll probably be Stones, I would imagine, and maybe Gary Cahill. Um, so you've got a bit of experience in Cahill. You've got Stones, who feels comfortable coming out of the ball. And then the third one, really, in Carl Walker, is that pace. It's the He can recover quickly, but he can also get forward, as we see, for Man City and, and join in in the attacks and create that extra man in midfield if England are playing against those sort of weaker teams. I mentioned. Um, I think I hope he plays with one holding player in Eric Dyer rather than Jordan Henderson. So I'll go with Eric Dyer sat in front. 
and then is, it'll is be... that is that your United fan coming out, or do you really um, just not rate Jordan Henderson? I think Jordan Henderson. Well, it's this way: Jordan, he's, he's going to be Jordan Henderson or Eric Dyer. If he plays both of them as holding players, then mm. it kind of goes against everything that we've we've been trying to do as a country. I think. I think part of the DNA, which you mentioned today, is, is for the majority of games try to control possession, not in the way Spain do, but in the way we do, and try and keep the ball and keep it moving um, and get it into the attacking third in a variety of ways. Now, if you've got Henderson and Dyer there, to me, that just invites the opposition on because if those guys have got the ball, yeah, they're international footballers, but they're not as creative as maybe somebody else. You know, you could have somebody else sat in there. So if you're playing Dyer next to Henderson, you're doing so at the expense of somebody else, aren't you? Right. Which is what I'm thinking. So I'll go with one holder in Dyer. And down the left, I will go with Danny Rose, who I thought was very good last week in the friendly. He hasn't played a lot of football at Spurs. I'm not sure what his situation is. Um, but I think that he will. He should play on the left. And I, I don't mind your, your man from Liverpool down the right as well, um, Alexander-Arnold. I think he will... Um, fantastic delivery. Absolutely fantastic oh, delivery. And well, I think yeah. that, yeah, I mean, he might not be everybody's first choice down there, but I, I, I quite like him. So I'd go with those two guys. So Pickford... Walker, Stones, just on the top of head now. Kale, Diasa in front, left row, right, Alexander Arnold. And then I would have Deli Alley in front of that, in front of Dyer in the middle. Um, and then I'd have Lingard and Raheem Sterling either side of Harry Kane. Is that 11 players? Well, Lingard, or you said. Um, Pickford, what? You say Lingard? Pickford in goal. Two full-backs, Trent and uh, Danny Rose. Three central defenders, Carl Walker, John Stones, Gary Cale, Eric Dyer, right. Deli Alley. Yeah, that's right. Raheem Sturdy, uh, uh, Jesse Lingard of, uh, and Harry Kane. Bang, Harry done. Kane. So Lingard did it for you huh, in the last couple of games? I think Lingard um, will start ahead of Rashford. One, because I think Rashford's picked up a knock. I think he's struggling a little bit. And... In training, and I think secondly, from a team perspective and winning the ball back and discipline where the opposition's got the ball, I think that Jesse Lingard is slightly better at that. Now, I'm not saying he's a better um, attacking and creative player than Rashford, but I think when it, getting the ball back, winning it, and, and introducing other people into play, and you've seen him for United, Mourinho uses him all the time, but not only that, he's played for Van Hal, he was trusted in the big game, he likes a goal in a big game as well. I think he scored at Wembley two or three times, Community Shield. FA Cup final, um, League Cup final. You know, he, he he knows what he knows what he's doing, and he can provide that extra link man in midfield. So, I think obviously Captain Kane. That goes without saying. Sterling, I don't think you can leave him out after the season he's had. But it'd probably be a slightly closer battle between Lingard and Rashford. But just from a an experience and a discipline and a team point of view, I'd go with Lingard um, to play just just behind. Rashford. Yeah, just over Rashford. So, quick question before I move away from this. Sterling, mm-hmm. he had a great season with Manchester City, obviously. Yep, yep. You, you watch him in the last friendly, he gets into amazing positions. Yep. He just can't finish. It's Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because at Man City, if he gets into a... There were, there were occasions this season at Manchester City um, where he got into some fantastic situations like that and he missed chances. His goals record is, is very good. If you actually go back and look, he missed quite a few chances now it gets brushed under the carpet because you know that the next chance if it falls to De Bruyne Aguero Jesus Sané you know David Silva whoever he's going to hit the back of the net so he gets forgotten but about you're going to play, he so gets forgotten play about. against these guys at that point 
right? So you you know if you miss them against your team mm, exactly. against your Panamas and you, and you make it out of the Stabs group, if you get yeah, but if you get a chance or two of those against the Germany or Brazil in the quarterfinal and you don't finish it, that could be the difference between making it's, it and not yeah, making it through. You've, you've highlighted one of the areas where Sterling can can improve that final ball, that goal. Yes, his goals record is hard to argue with this season, but he could have had six or seven more goals on his total, I believe, uh, this season if he was a bit more clinical. And, it, and it, it's it's the kind of thing where you, when you play Germany, if he gets a chance and he doesn't tuck it away, and perhaps we can do it further on down and down the line in one another podcast. But if you if you if you look if you look at some of his games and then if he does that against Germany and he does miss and it's nil nil or it's one one or we're getting beat or it goes to penalties and he misses the chance, then I just fear that you know he might face some criticism, which just seems to be the norm in England. We just seem to hammer our own players. But I think that he's um, he's got to be allowed to continue to make those mistakes in the final third. If you put um, if you try and restrict him, which he isn't at, at Manchester City, but if you tell him to, to not, not be creative or to try and get him to do different things in the final third, then you're limiting what he can do, which he's more than capable of winning a game for England. And uh, we need all those all those tough players we can get, really. No doubt. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and go to Group A. Um, yep. Uh, I'm going to stay out of this because I'm biased. You know where I stand. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, no. Well, what are you expecting? Tell me what you're expecting, honestly, now. Because, obviously, you and I have spoken quite a bit about it over the last few weeks. But with Salah, you know, obviously, injured. Is he not injured? Is he going to come back and be sort of 75 80% fit or whatever? What What are you expecting? What What is, you know, what if we speak in two or three weeks' time at the end of the group stage, What where should Egypt be? I think Egypt are going to finish second. I think the biggest challenge is going to be the decision that the Egyptian Federation is going to have, not the Egyptian Federation, but the medical team is going to have to make in the next two days. And that decision is going to be, do we push him against Uruguay or do we keep him back? I think that the right thing to do is not to push him through the Uruguay game. I think the Uruguay game is, um, is more like a banana peel where okay. if you rush him when you're not expected to win and he gets hurt, you lose him for the next two. When the next two are very, very winnable games and you could easily qualify with six points. Right, so okay. I would hold him back. And after holding him back, I would just prepare him medically for uh, the, the Russia game and the Saudi Arabia game. But I fully expect that Egypt is going to get six points out of those two. I think that people overestimate how poor Russia is in reality. And I fully expect Uruguay to win the group and Egypt to come in second. Okay. Okay. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, no, it'd be... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky, tricky one to call because I won't pretend that I've got a fantastic knowledge... Um, on, on Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, or, or Uruguay to some extent. I know I know bits about Egypt, bits about Russia, bits about Uruguay. Very little about uh, is Saudi Arabia, isn't it? The third, the other team. In, in, in Saudi Uruguay, Arabia knows very little about Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I um, it, it, for me, it's a straight fight between uh, Egypt and uh, Russia for second spot. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tight fight. I think. That, I think who, who do you play first? We play Russia first. Well, no, first is Uruguay, then Russia, then Saudi Arabia. Okay, so, you know, you can't afford to lose that first game. 
I think we I think take if you we, lose I think it. we take a point, we're in good shape. Yeah, I think a point a point and then before you go into the Russian game, um you know, I mean that's a that's a hard run. By then Russia, then Saudi Arabia. Yeah. It, yeah, it, so I think that yeah, don't lose your first game, and then, exactly. and then it's more or less a playoff, isn't it, with Russia? Yeah, I agree. See if I you can get in, but if, if, if you can get if you can get a draw and get exactly if you can get a draw and get a, a Salah back and firing all cylinders for that Russian game, then you you've got a great chance of, of progressing, really. Um, but it's vital, I think, for for Egypt not to lose that first game against Uruguay, uh, which need, I will be watching with interest. We need uh, we need uh, a Mourinho park the bus tactics for that game. Well, you never know, do you? I mean, if Salah is fit, um, then I'm sure that he can he can cause them some problems, and I'm sure that they'll be scared of him because simply because of how good he is. But um, I expect you to to, to be battle, battling um, Russia for the second spot. You know, Russia again have been written off by a lot of people, but they're the home nation, aren't they? It can either inspire you or it can kill you. The, the you know the and you've seen teams, you know, you've seen teams like Greece win the Euros. Funny things can happen. Exactly. You know? Exactly. What price Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia finishing second and qualifying? Unlikely, but you can't rule anything out. The odds on that, though. The odds on that, yeah. But there's always a team as well, isn't it? There's always a well-fancied team that goes home early. I'm just wondering if Uruguay ever collapses from that group and they, you know, they get beat. Wouldn't mind that. <laughs> again, look. Again, unlikely, but you know, there will be a big team that you know surprises. You know, you surprise with by you know their shortcomings and them not quite to standard. Um, and, and hopefully for Egypt's sake, it's Uruguay, and then you've got a, a slightly easier route through. But I, I think, yeah, you, realistically, you're probably looking at the game against Russia as don't lose your first game against Uruguay, and then that, and then it's all on. Get use it almost to get Salah back to full fitness as well if he's not 100, percent and then really go for the Russian Saudi Arabia game. Right. I mean, even if you do lose the Russia, the, the first game against Saudi Arabia, Russia now becomes the final. Completely, yeah. Completely, exactly. it's almost it's almost in many ways instant knockout. I know it's a group, right. but if you you lose the first game, like you say, the second game's a final, isn't it? Yep. So you put um, all your eggs in that basket. Absolutely, right. but I just think the confidence and the belief you'll get from drawing with Uruguay in a World Cup competition, your first tournament since 1990 World Cup. I mean, I know is it since 1990. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. So you know. Get the bit of belief, get the confidence of being back in the tournament, get that draw or, or hopefully a win, and then really take that into the Russian game. And I think um, you might feel differently after the first game. But I certainly think, as I say, um, between you and Russia, I think, for the second spot. Uh, you know I'm going to be following you a lot while I'm there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do so, do so. Yeah, yeah. I'll be watching with interest. Nice. So let's talk about transfers. Um, we really didn't have much when we were deciding that we we're going to do this podcast yesterday or the day before, but all of a sudden <laughs> things change. <laughs> you have yeah, Griezmann yeah. staying. You have Thomas Lamar going going to Atletico, and we finally have a coach for Real Madrid. What are your yes. thoughts on that? Take me on, take me on the Real Madrid uh, train first. Well, Z- Zidane, I think, did made the right decision. Um, the current Spanish manager will step in and be the manager of Real Madrid, which we know, after the tournament. And I think from a British point of view or an English point of view, it's interesting because we'll, we'll see now how highly he rates um, Gareth Bale. Right. Because all the talk in the UK is that will he come back to Manchester United is now a, a, a good time to you know for him to return. But 
one of his, his questions, Bale, straight after the, the Champions League final was that would he be staying? He said that he'd have to sit down with his agent and discuss with, with the club what, what the best move was. So does the Spanish does the new does the new manager fancy Bale or does he will he go with one of the Spanish players that he's he's used to at, at international level? We'll, we'll have to see. I think that just back to Zidane, I think he made a um made the best decision. I think, you know, you look at somebody like Sir Alex Ferguson, Mourinho, Guardiola you go back through um, history, all the greatest managers. He's done something as a manager that no other <laughs> that no other manager has done. The only way for him was down. After you know, after, to, to win it one year is amazing. Two incredible threes, almost like a miracle. Really, yes, I know he had um, the best players, but you got to ask yourself the question: Well, if it was that easy, why has nobody else done it before? So you know, the great Barcelona team Guardiola had and uh, Luis Enrique, they didn't manage to do it. So I think he's done that and. I think if you look at France, maybe Zidane might have his eye on that job, possibly if it goes wrong for Deschamps during the World Cup. And when I say go wrong, probably if they don't reach the semi or if, even if they don't win it, they'll probably look to make a change there. The other person further down the down the line who Zidane might look to replace is possibly Allegri at Juventus. Maybe not now, but if he has a year off, it's you know you hear these managers say it's quite intense that they need a, a year to recharge their batteries. Well, in 12 months' time, who knows? Allegri might be... He's always linked with the move abroad. He might end up somewhere else. Could end up in the Premier League, for example, as well. Um, but I think, as you mentioned there, the most interesting sort of thing at this time of year, apart from obviously the World Cup, is the transfer merry-go-round. And it looks like Griezmann's staying. I think Deschamps alluded to the fact he expects him to stay in Spain next season in a press conference. So whether that goes to Barcelona or not, he's probably doubtful. It looks like he's... He's going to be joined at Atletico Madrid by Thomas Lamar as well, who's an, an exciting young player, another of the French uh, sort of Clairefontaine graduates, I think, who's come through their system there. So that's very exciting for them. And they always seem to do that, uh, Atletico Madrid. They always seem to to get a an exciting, a fantastic uh, a sort of young player or player to come in and fill a void. That they need. You know, you just have to look at the striking options over the years. Diego Forlan, Falcao. Um, Aguero, Diego Costa's been and gone. You know they just seem to know what they're doing in the transfer market, and I um I think that's a good good move for Lamar. He's it's a club that I think it'll, it'll it'll really work well for him. Other transfers that that are in talk about. Well, Manchester United are still waiting for a work permit, I believe, to for all the the ins and outs of that to go through for Fred. But I believe that that'll be done. Yeah, I think that'll be um, done. The one thing yeah. that I read today in the Daily Record was um, there's a fight with Juventus about Alex Sandro. Yeah, I think what you're seeing with United, yeah, I think what you're seeing with United is now in, uh, they're standing up to a certain extent, unless it's somebody like Bale or Griezmann. Um, well, not Griezmann because he's got a release clause, but somebody like Bale. If I think United are standing up to these people now, but you think if you get the chance to get Bale for say 100 million, 110 million, they probably they probably try and push it through. But I think Alderweireld. Levy's wanting, you'll know about, well, Alderweireld, I think Levy's wanting reportedly 75 billion. Um, and and the, the, I think the, the fee for Alexandro, I mean, you've read the article, I think it's quite 60, 60 million, 65 yeah. million quid. Yeah, so, which is, you know, I, th- I I think that's probably reasonable, but certainly 75 for Alderweireld is not, he's not reasonable in my opinion. And I know he's a, a very good central defender, but he's not played a great deal and he's 29. What about, what about, what about 45 and Martial? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm controversially. I'm more of a Martial fan than Rashford. Actually, I think that I. I think 
the the player with the most potential out of the two is Martial. Um, but I think that Mourinho doesn't fancy him. I wouldn't be surprised if Martial left United this summer um, if a deal for maybe Bale or something like that came. But I don't think that United sell him to a... I'd like to think that they won't sell him as part of a deal to a direct rival like Spurs because I think that you've seen you can cope at Tottenham without all the Virold. But then we'd make your attacking, you you know, you're even stronger in those attacking areas, which which would do us no favours whatsoever. So, from United' point of view, I, I don't see that deal happening, and I, I certainly don't see the deal happening for seventy five billion pounds. But you know, you've got something United need. It depends how desperate they get as the tour, as the uh, window goes on, because obviously now he's going to be tied up for what well, the best part of a month with Belgium, isn't he, older year old? Alexandro, yeah. you mentioned, not part of the Brazil squad. Just tells you how good their Brazil squad is. So he's slightly, he would be slightly easier to do. But there's two, you know, I think there's either he's either going to sign a contract or he's going to leave. And, you know, we, the powers that be. What makes me laugh here is that people on, on social media say, well, Man- Manchester United, it's not our money. Why don't they just they just spend the money? You know, it stops him from going in the Glazers' pockets. He's one, he's one guy I argued with uh-huh. me to, um, the other day, which I understand that. But at the same time, it's a business and they do have a budget. Mourinho would have a budget. Now, it might be 250 million, it might be 200 million, whatever it is. But if he's paying 60 or 70 million for Alexandro, can he, in his own mind, think he can make do without Luke, uh, Luke Shaw and Ashley Young for another season and use that 60 million maybe on some, somewhere else? You know, he's, he wouldn't be my choice, but would he spend a bit of that money on Arnautovic, who he needs, who he's been linked with, you know, something like that? So the young guy, Dalot's coming at right back. Central defender is needed, but if Mourinho thinks he can. Between Shaw and Ashley Young, get them to do a job for the majority of the season at left fullback. Then he probably will walk away from that Sandro deal. I, I would be surprised to see him join United for sixty billion or anything over sixty million. Anyway, All right, two final questions for you. One of them um, is going to be a yes or no. The other one is <laughs> going to be: Is it going to be a disaster? Or is it going to be great? VAR at the World Cup. Is that a yes or no? Um, yeah, that's a disaster, um, or is it going to be all right? I hope it goes well. I hope it goes well. There's so much on these games now that if they're using it, they have to. I hope it goes well, and I hope they they apply it properly, and I hope it's a, a soaring success. Will it be that? I, I have my doubts. I think we might, or I fear we might be speaking about VAR um, later on in the tournament, and and how it's potentially been not used to the best of its ability but hope is a success but I have my suspicions it won't be all right and the final question yes or no next year cool. anybody yes. catch a Manchester City <laughs> Ooh, I can't answer yes or no to that I'm <laughs> gonna say no but I'm gonna say Liverpool with the signing of Fabinho Oof, good signing yeah along with Cater will be a lot nearer. I think United and Mourinho have to get out of the blocks very quickly and very sharply. Agreed. It's his final, it's not his final season officially, but he doesn't usually last more than three years. So it'd be interesting to see if United are 10 or 15 points behind, like they were last December, um, how that plays out for Mourinho. You've got two schools of thought. One is that the powers that be are happy with the top four finish because it ticks all the commercial boxes. The second is the fans, and they are demanding, at the very least, anyway, that United get a lot nearer to City. So, sorry, that wasn't a yes or no. <laughs> Do I think City will win the league? Probably so. 
will United be their closest challengers? I think they have to be if Mourinho wants to hold on to his job. But my fear is Liverpool, if Jurgen Klopp um, can juggle, and it's something he's not been brilliant at, but if he can juggle English domestic competitions with Europe, then I think they're capable. And sadly, as a United fan, I don't, he does hear me say, I think they're capable of getting nearer to um, to Manchester City. And if they sign a defender and, and, and a goalkeeper, then... Yeah, the, 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 I think they'll fancy themselves. I'm going to ask you that same question after the World Cup. Yes, yes. And what about you anyway? What, what, well, I've got you, Tottenham. So, quite interesting comment or two from Pochettino. It wasn't at the end of last season. And then he came out and signed his contract extension, which was great for the club. And it's, that's been followed by Harry Kane. What is a successful season for Tottenham next campaign? What are you expecting? I'm expecting a trophy. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's we put a team in the Sunday League and we win a trophy. I want a trophy, and I want a top-four finish, and I want to get out of the group again in the Champions League, I think. Whether it be in the new home or there are still discussions on whether if it's, uh, if it's going to be Wembley again, uh, that's still up in the air. We, we, I think that the team got another few days to, uh, to, to make that uh, assessment and decide where they want to go. But I think that at this point, with the backing that, that Pochettino is getting, with Harry Kane signing, with Deli Alley almost signing, um, you know, I think the domino effect is going to happen. And he's being backed by money now. So the, there is no more excuse for him not to put himself in a position to win a trophy. I don't think that a semifinal is enough. I think that if he gets to two finals and he loses them, I could understand but mm-hmm. at this point, you have to be competitive enough to win a trophy. And it, 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 I don't care which one it is. And you can't tell me at this point in his career, an FA Cup is not important or a Carabao Cup is not important. He hasn't won anything. And I'm, I'm with him through and through. I love him. I love the transformation of the team and what he has done over the last three years. But you've got to win something. This is, this is what the sport is about, right? It's about winning. And if you don't, you're out. Mm-hmm. Or you just become a David Moyes. Yeah, well, I think I so, mean, you've got to applaud his style of play, and he's it, it, got. I just think that he's getting to the point now where the he made a couple of strange comments. He clearly wanted an extension. Um, well, he didn't just want an in. extension. I think he really wanted to push uh, and pressure the board into giving him money at this point. Because yeah. he's been he's been given no money. He's been given the money that he sells to uh, to, to to buy. But at this point, I think that the, the figure is they're about to give him about $150 million, And if he can sell additional to that, that's money that he can use as well. So they're backing him. It's not United money. It's not City money. But they're backing him. And at this point, he's going to run out of excuses if he can't sign somebody. It'll be interesting because I think that it is hard to win a trophy, to, to, to win, you know, come out of the trophy, especially in... In English football, because you've got the top six who are just so, so powerful and only going to get stronger. Um, but you just feel for Pochettino's sake that he needs, with the group of players he's got and any additions that he brings in, that just to back up, you know, his style of playing. And you know, because he's in danger of looking like a Kevin Keegan at Newcastle, yep, all the yep. gear and no idea. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't mean that no idea is harsh. Obviously, he, he knows what he's doing, but Keegan. For a couple of years, played fantastic football at Newcastle. They should have won the Premier League. 
um, or could have won the Premier League rather, and they didn't. And they've gone down in history as the great entertainers simply because they played fantastic football, but they didn't really win anything. Right, but then again, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be a Leicester either, where I win something and all of a sudden you don't hear from me again because everybody's going to leave and whatnot. I think I think that the culture mm. and the club has changed, but we just need to win. Yeah. So. Well, we'll, um, we'll we'll watch that that, that you know, how that develops with interest, but. Um... I, I think who who it'll be interesting because the top four, you know, Emery, does the jury's out on Emery, is he good for you know, is he is he that gonna push Arsenal back into that top four? You know, because two teams out of United, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal, two of those teams are not gonna be in that top four, which means two managers are probably gonna gonna be looking for new jobs in in twelve months' time. I, I I will call it right now, and I will tell you that I think the top four last year are going to be the same top four next, next year. Interesting. Interesting. I, I cool. still think that Arsenal is about another year or two removed from really competing for a top four spot. I think that Chelsea need a fix, and they need it very quickly in the mm-hmm. changing room necessarily, not necessarily you know who's playing or what. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of animosity in the team now. Um, yeah. I think I think they need saving at this point. So I'm I'm going to think that the top four last year are going to be the same top four this year. Right. So, well, well, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it'll make we'll it interesting season. Exactly. Um, I, I I can't thank you enough for coming on to this episode. I, I really can't. Um, like I said, you're a dear friend, but you're also a very very fantastic writer, and 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 your time is extremely valuable. I really appreciate it. And no, no, thank you. I'm very going much. to Pleasure. be. I'm going to be troubling you over and over and over <laughs> again during the World Cup. If you know that, we've yeah, spoken yeah, about that. Right, no yeah, <laughs> but I really appreciate your time, man, and uh, say hi to the family, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, you too, mate. Safe journey. Yeah, uh, thanks, Tom. Have a good one, man.